And I'll be reading to you this morning from the Gospel of Luke, uh, the 15th chapter, where we hear a couple of parables that you're probably very familiar with. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. I would invite you, though, to listen to these parables and not do what comes naturally to people. We naturally think about ourselves when we see stories. We think about ourselves in the story and how it relates to us. Don't feel bad about that. It's normal. But as you listen today, I would invite you to listen to these parables not seeking for what they say about you or other lost people or lost coins or lost sheep. But instead to listen to what it says about God and who God is and how God behaves and what God's love is like. Remembering that Jesus was the word of God become flesh and dwelt among us including tax collectors and sinners. Chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus and listening to him. The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them a parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one lost and find, until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is more joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I'm asking you not to think about yourselves or others who might have a story about being lost or wayward or broken. Instead, I want you to think about what rejoicing is and what it, what it does. Apparently, it really bugged the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus rejoiced with sinners and tax collectors, that he sat down and ate with them. These guys were religious, pious, serious people. They did lots of good in the world, and they opposed injustice and evil and all the hurt and harm in the world, because that's what religious people do. And that's why we're so serious, because bad things and hurtful things are serious. We're not afraid of them, and we treat them seriously. 
And in the midst of this serious religious culture, because religious people are serious, Jesus comes partying. I mean, he gathers with tax collectors and sinners, and he sits at the table with them and eats with them, rejoicing with them, having a party with them. And the religious say, what? Why are you behaving that way? Why are your disciples not fasting and praying? Don't they know bad things happen in this world and religion is all about managing the darkness? The story makes me wonder what it is about Jesus, what he was like, what it was like to be in his presence. There was something about him that people were drawn to him. They wanted to be with him. Now, my question for you is when you go out into the world with your friends, the people that work with you and stuff like that, if you talk, start talking about religion, do they want to be with you? No. No. Why did they want to be with Jesus? He was all about religion. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher of the scriptures. And people were drawn to him. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to party with him. I, I just, I, I know people like that. You know, magnetic people, I don't know. You know people like that. People wanted to be with Jesus, even people who knew they were not righteous. What was it about Jesus? What is it about God that draws us? I would tell you that while we have a God and a, and a, and a, a grace that, that comes to us and can redeem us and pull us out of any darkness or hardship or brokenness or grief or, or sadness, that's the power of the, the grace of God and the love of God in this world. Ultimately, it's the nature of God's love that is more than just responding to darkness. It's light. I don't believe that being a Christian is about spending your time and energy and effort getting ready and prepared to get into heaven. That is not what it's about. When you get to heaven, you're not going to meet a God that's up there all pious and judgmental and evaluative about who's in and who's out. You're going to meet this overwhelmingly loving, joyful, uh, jolly even personality of a God and a love that overwhelms you, that transforms you not because you were broken or lost, but because of the nature of God's love itself. So I want to show you a picture of that. I, 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 I don't, don't, show, don't show the video yet. I'm going to show you a, a brief video. I want you to watch it every day this week. It's on YouTube. It's a, it's a video of an Antarctic explorer named Alexander from Norway. He speaks Norwegian. You won't understand a word he says. But what you need to know about him is he just, this video was taken at the end of over 80 days walking in Antarctica by himself, carrying his own food, and being who he was, kind of an odd person. But all along the way, he would leave caches of food so that when he came back, he might not starve to death in Antarctica. 
So he is omnipotent when it comes to what's going on with these caches of food. And he finds these cheese doodles that he left for himself. That he put there, but he forgot they were there. Now, can God forget the things that God makes in your life that you know, that God knows, but then God forgets, but then, you see what I mean? Don't try to figure God out. Will you just receive this as an image of the type of love God has for us? Play the video. Not that one. So he's walking in Antarctica by himself. This is God. God speaks Norwegian. He'd forgotten it was there. He holds it something he doesn't know what he put in there. It's a
does it feel to be a bag of cheese doodles? Because that's exactly what these stories teach us about God. Rejoice with me, calling my friends and neighbors, singing in the middle of Antarctica by myself because of what I have found and the joy that I take in you. Last week, I preached a sermon about the cost of discipleship. We, we, you Methodists are used to those sermons, right? Pick up your cross and carry it, and let's get this done, and let's make sure that, that we're well-organized and well-prepared to make a difference in this world and change this world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Let's get busy. Let's do good. It's going to cost you. And we will take up our cross, and we will struggle, and we will strive that we might be found faithful to God. There's an inherent danger in that type of thinking in response to a God that loves you this way. You do not earn your way to heaven. It is not a result of your efforts or your faithfulness. God rejoices in you. And this kind of love, to be the object of this type of love, will mess with you. It's a lot easier to do things for other people than it is to let them do something for you. Don't you feel awkward when somebody does things for you? What does that do to you? Why do we respond that way? Because we can't take it. It's hard to be a bag of cheese doodles in the middle of Antarctica. To be so loved and cherished and the object of such rejoicing. That's who you are to God. And when you receive that, when you're on the receiving of that, it will change you. It will transform you. It's hard to be loved. I, I hope you have stories of transformation in your life. And I don't want to discount the journeys that we go on and the darkness and trials in this world. Okay? What I'm trying to say to you is our journeys, the coin and the sheep's journey, the story, how did the, why did the sheep get lost? How did the coin get lost? That's not the point. We tend to focus on those things. Let's focus instead on the rejoicing of the God that does the finding um, and, and be overwhelmed by that and, and receive that. I, I have moments in my life, and maybe you do too, where you have had that sense of awe and wonder. For me, it's a sunset. Maybe you go to the ocean. Not, you know, lots of people have different ways. One, one moment in particular I'll never forget was on top of Spruce Knob, which is one of the highest mountains in West Virginia. Anybody been to Spruce Knob? No? Okay. So they have spruce trees up on there because it's so high it's the same as New England. Okay. Well, I uh, was on a backpack trip with a group of people, and we were on Spruce Knob for a sunset, and I'm sitting there on this on top of Spruce Knob, and I'm looking at this sunset, and it's just gorgeous, and it just struck me, and I had this, this moment that that was God's sunset for me, and it, it affected me, okay? You may have had these moments. The thing about Spruce Knob is you can drive a car all the way up to the top of Spruce Knob, and sitting just over there were people who had driven up Spruce Knob, and they were looking at the same sunset, and I wondered, are they having the same moment that I'm having? 
You see, because I was on the top of Spruce Knob after three days of hiking, where we ran out of water, we were bruised, we were battered, we were thirsty, we were exhausted, we were crying, we crawled up into the top of the Spruce Knob, and we were sitting there after this long journey. But it was the same sunset. So the journey does matter. I'm not saying the journey doesn't matter, and I'm not saying that our hardships and our bruises and our bleeding don't matter. They do. But it doesn't change the nature of the love of God. This week we remembered the anniversary of 9-11. And let's face it, that was a moment for our nation of darkness and fear and fire and violence and, and death and, and mourning and grief and all kinds of negative, difficult, hard things, right? Does that change the nature of the love of God? No, but it certainly affects that. I mean, our churches were full after 9-11 because so often we were reaching out to touch God after we become insecure in our cells. But I, I don't think we're insecure with God. God hasn't changed. You're still cheese doodles. So I spent some time this week reading some stories of 9-11, and it wasn't about the destruction and the death and the fire and the grief and the pain and the mourning, which there is a lot of, and I do not discount it, and God's people were right in the middle of it, and we come without fear to bind up the brokenness. But I also read some stories that reminded me that the nature of God's love doesn't change in all that. It's a story of a, a man who missed Flight 97 because his car he had car problems. And he had to take his car by the shop. Because he took his car by the shop, he missed the flight. Or the woman whose cat was ill and she went to the vet on her way to work in the South Tower... And because she went by the vet and there was a long line, she didn't get to work. And so she was not in the South Tower. Or the one that really got me was the story of a conference that was going on in the, in the North Tower. Uh, people from all over the country gathered for a conference and they went to breakfast uh, in the hotel across the street before their conference, which was on like the 87th floor. And, uh, and one of the guys, and so it's people from all over the nation, all the country, they knew each other, and one of them was a tie guy. I don't know if you know tie, people who wear really, really cool ties. Anybody? No? Yeah? All right, well, I don't see many ties here. There's a, who's got, you got a tie. That's a nice looking tie. And it goes with your shirt. Oh, that's, okay. So tie, tie guys, they think a lot about their ties, and they'll wear a shirt that will match their tie, right? Because... And, you know, you know, a tie guy, you're supposed to always notice, oh, nice tie, right? So one of them was a tie guy. And at breakfast, one of the other people in the company came and said, hey, I saw this tie out in California. I thought, and he gave him a new tie because they knew it was a tie guy. So they finished breakfast, and everybody goes up to the tower to the conference, and he decides, I'm going to go back to my room, change my shirt to a shirt that matches this tie, and I'm going to wear the tie today to delight in the fact that somebody gave me this tie. And everyone else was killed. Now I want you to think a moment about that car 
that that guy's still driving around. Or about that cat that the woman still takes delight in. Or about that tie that this gentleman, I hope and pray and imagine, wears to Easter Sunday morning services. Because that's the God that is at work every day, all the time, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the hurt, is this God that has an overwhelming love and delight in you. And that love, you've got to be careful with it, because it will transform you. And it's around all the time. And it is especially ours to hold on to when we go through the darkness. Because the promise of the love of God is we don't stay in the darkness. God takes delight in you. How does that feel? I know what it feels like to me is an overwhelming desire to be worthy of it. To take that love that I sense that comes to me from God in a sunset or wherever you find it and share it with someone else. To shine that light into someone who's maybe having a dark day. Because I have received the fullness of the love of God in Jesus Christ who takes delight in me just the way I am. Amen. So please don't hear me saying that following Jesus is an easy thing. That there's no cross to carry, there's no cost to discipleship. We, we know those sermons, just dig a little deeper and give a little more. What I really want you to hear is that this giving and this digging and this carrying of crosses is not the result of our own strength. It, we can only do that if we are on the receiving end of this overwhelming love and delight that God has for us that transforms us and through us transforms the world. Let's pray. It's hard, O oh God, to be loved. To be the object of your delight. And yet we pray that we have the faith and the grace to receive that love. And that it would transform us and make us and mold us into a people filled with love for others and for this world. So help us, we pray, to be filled with the delight that you have in finding us. This we pray in Jesus' name and as he taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.